Welcome to the Heroes at Home podcast, where we believe heroes can thrive both at work and at home. This podcast is for those who stand watch while we sleep, who run into buildings while others run out, for those who deploy to hard places to have hard fights, and for the families that support them. Through candid conversation, we will discuss the side of things that don't get glorified in the media, what happens when they come home. We'll be talking with heroes from all walks of life and their partners, children, friends, and beyond, so together we can build a stronger family. I'm Noel Metter, CEO, joined by my co-host, Kenny Thomas. Kenny, how are we doing, buddy? I'm happy. I wish if I could move the camera, I would show you what it's like in Ohio on the border of Canada. There's 22 inches of snow outside the window. For a boy from Florida, the only way I know to look at this is that it's magical. (laughs) And when I'm shoveling snow off of the truck, nobody told me that you're also supposed to keep an eye on the five-year-old because I turned around and she's laying in the snowbank going, look, Daddy, I'm making snow angels. And I'm like, and, and is and this like back and change all of her clothes? <laughs> Ranger Kenny is twenty minutes late to dropping his daughter off at school. <laughs> so priceless yeah. moments, man. I'll uh, tell you what, it only gets better, buddy. My youngest boy, when he was five, man, I woke up out of a sound sleep and he's over the top of me. He's got his nerf goggles on, his nerf gun, and his nerf jersey. And he's like, Dad, you wanna play? And I'm it's <laughs> 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, hell no, I don't want to play. Go back to bed. You know what I mean? But now he's 11 years old and I would give any moment to go back and relive that at 2.30 a.m. Yeah, buddy, let's go do this. Let's go uh, do some Nerf Wait. gun fighting. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't wake up with a red dot on your forehead. He's going to apprehend you in the night with his little the green eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, they make these things that real too, but... The moments of our kids, I think you're going to get a lot of that from Kenny and I. We've got a lot of funny things that we could just riff on. But that's not the point of this interview. This is an interview on Kenny. And for those who don't know Kenny Thomas, let me do a quick introduction. So Kenny, Ranger, for many, many years, served our country. You've probably heard the movie Black Hawk Down. He was part of that battle of Mogadishu. Went on to become a music recording artist. I think you had, what, two singles that hit the Billboard top of the charts. But what I've loved about Kenny is that when it comes to someone who is an incredible speaker, someone who can tell stories like none other, this is the man. He's gone on to write a book called Get It On. And man, it's an amazing, amazing book. If you have not read a leadership book that will inspire you, it will challenge you, that is the book you need to pick up. Kenny is going to be a co-host on this show, Heroes at Home, which man, we are blessed Super excited to have him. He's going to be bringing all kinds of stories because I think many can relate to the journey that you've been on. And so to that end, let's just jump in right there. Battle Mugadishu. Everyone knows you for that. And and maybe just a quick snapshot of what was that like for you back then? Well, thanks, Noel. Just a quick (laughs) snapshot of what the Battle of Mugadishu was like for you. Well, (laughs) if you have a couple beers... And it usually takes about an hour just to go through it in the keynote. So real quick snapshot. I guess the overview of it was 
there were a few elements to that battle. There were the air guys, the 160th that flew us around. There were the Delta Force guys that were sort of like the SWAT team. They were going to kick in the door and collapse the building and grab the bad guys that were inside. And then there were the Rangers. Our part of that mission was to put a perimeter around the outside of the building so that the Delta guys could clear it and be safe. So the mission was a, a success. We got the bad guys, the trucks drove up, they threw all the bad guys on the trucks, the trucks drive away, and it had been maybe 30 minutes in and out. We were ready to go. We are waiting to go home, and I just watched the last truck drive around the corner to head back to the airfield, left about 80 of us on the target building waiting for our ride, and then bam, just like that, it's crazy, like the trajectory of our lives, just everything changed because the first Blackhawk got shot down. And that's where the whole Blackhawk down came from because everybody had a radio on. You could hear them yelling, there's a Blackhawk going down, there's a Blackhawk. We all look up and it was Super 6-1. Cliff Walcott was the pilot, Bull Brawley was the co-pilot. And so what ended up happening is we all moved on foot to that crash. It, it only crashed like five blocks away. And we fought through the night because the pilot's body was crushed in the wreckage, but really it was because we had so many wounded guys, we couldn't have gotten out if we had decided to leave the guy's body there. There were just weren't enough of us to fight. So to wrap that up, if you make it out of something like that where other people did not, you've gone to combat. And I'm not really concerned about what your job was in combat, whether you were the aircraft refueler, you were the crew chief, you were the pack clerk, or you got deployed downrange and you made it home. You're gonna spend the rest of your life thanking the people who were on your left and your right, because I can tell you by the grace of God, that's the only reason I'm still around. But you'll also be followed by this strange sense of guilt. There's this guilt of like, well, why me? Like, why did I survive? And then for a guy like me, like, why am I getting all this attention? Why are people asking me to be on the stage? And you can do a couple things with that guilt. You can start believing that you don't deserve to be here. And you can start believing that you're not allowed to be happy. And so you won't because you keep telling yourself. Or at some point, you can have the aha moment, I call it and realize that you can do something with the fact that you're still here. And so the types of people that you and I are gonna be talking to on this podcast are those exact folks that had that moment where they realized, I've got an opportunity here and my story matters. So what am I gonna do with that story? And I think what you're gonna find is that everybody has some sort of positive message that came from the struggle. Show me a hero and I will write you a tragedy. No story about somebody who's done something great comes without struggle, but it's the struggle that changes us and makes us stronger. And that's why we're here. That's why I'm spending time. That's why you're spending your life dedicating it to these military families and first responders families, because we want you to push through the struggle. Because if you know what waits for you on the other side, it's a better gig. <laughs> it really is, man. And most, of a, most people have no idea how close they were to succeeding when they quit. And we don't want you to quit on your relationships.
Damn, how was that? That's gotta be the greatest segue yet. Kenny, I love what you just shared because I think in many regards, so many people can relate that are listening to this. Obviously, your story got put on the big picture, but it's a story that many can resonate with. And this idea of guilt and living through it, why didn't my brothers that I was with, why didn't they make it through? And then the idea of, at the end of the day, what am I doing to say thanks to the person on the right and left? You've told this story so many times. I think the story that many have heard has been the story that you just, in a snapshot, shared. You speak on all kinds of private sector stages. But the story that I think is really compelling is what happened when you came home? So you came home from that, fell in love, got married, correct? Yeah. Maybe share a little bit about that. I appreciate the kind words. Man, I, you know, no, for me... It's not lost on me that I'm one of those guys that stands on a stage and tells a very positive story with my head held high. And after every speech, I'll stand there and sign books or I'll stand there and hang out for as long as people want to talk. Because almost always there's a veteran who waits at the end of the line or waits till the thing's over. They kind of want to go, man, how do you do it? I mean, you're just, you got it together. And I'm like, okay. I do have it together on a stage because a stage was a very safe place for me when I got out of the military because it allowed me to not have to transition. It allowed me to not have to interact in a give and take situation. It was just me giving from the stage. And then Kenny could Elvis the building when I was done. And who did I go home to? I went home to the relationships. Before I got married and I got out of the army, I, I was in a relationship for five years with a wonderful woman. And then that one tanked. And then I had another relationship for three years and that one tanked. And then I got married and that one tanked. And at some point I had to realize, is it the people or is it you? Like, oh, and it was me. And the challenge in the short thing was I could not hold down a relationship. I did not know how to have a two-way street because there was a lot of intimacy that is required that I did not allow my heart to feel hmm. because of that Sergeant Thomas that shaped a lot of who I am. But it affects you one way or another. Who you were downrange, wearing the boots, being part of something, and then now who you are out here, without that, it affects you. And when that marriage started going south, my first reaction was, well, you're supposed to be my ranger buddy, and you're supposed to be there, and you made a commitment, and you made a promise. Man, I ran into the line of fire for guys. And it was on deaf ears and she had already checked out because I didn't have the skill set or the communication skill set to see it coming. Like the chance to save that marriage was a year before that when she was trying to tell me. Now we can get into the positive part of that struggle, but that's when you and I met was right about then. And Carissa called and asked me if I would come speak. And I'm like, who are you guys? She said, Stronger families. I'm like, yeah, I don't even have a family. Like, no. And then Carissa just kept on me and I'm like, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not that guy. Like I'm not, I'm not the model of who it is that you want. And then I, now that I'm highly involved with y'all and stronger families, I realize that I am the model mm. of who you want, which is the person 
who struggled and failed and then saw the value of how I could have done better. If I had had the stronger family skill set, I bet you I'd probably still be married. Hmm. And when I did that hard work of figuring out how to deal with what I had kept buried inside of me and how it was affecting relationships and what I wasn't doing, I feel like I'm holding the keys to the kingdom. Like I got it. And now I'm in a relationship that's fantastic and it's healthy. We work at it, but it's not a struggle where she's having to drag me through my darkness. You know, I think your story is like so many others, right? In the sense of delaying the hard work, delaying the realization that I can't change someone else. And I think so often we want, you know, it's kind of like the matrix. Hey man, if you take, take the pill overnight, it's going to magically all work out. And the reality is that it doesn't work that way. It's two people playing in this, right? There's two people that have to show up and say, I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to put it all on the line. Now, sometimes that doesn't mean that all of them are at the same level of commitment to that process, but there has to be some level of commitment to, I've got to do the hard work. And I want to dig in there because I think if there's one thing that I've seen in you, and I've seen it in a whole lot of others who have served our country, you guys know how to put the hard work in. Like, there's no doubt when the going gets rough, you guys know how to hold the line, right? And and step up to the challenges and overcome. I see what you did there, Noel. You like Good that? Job. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, yeah. I know. But the reality is, is that somehow that breaks down when it gets to the relational aspect of going back home. And I wonder, I'm just going to pose this, and I want to get your reaction to it. Is it that you're trained to turn off the emotion so that you can deal with what is coming at you on the battlefield, to deal with whatever circumstance you might be thrown into? Is it hard to then turn that emotion back on and, like you said, be intimate, to be open and vulnerable and all those kind of things in the relationship? Is that part of that hard work that so often you see so many say, nah, I'm not doing it? Yeah. Man, I got to give a thought to that because, no, I don't think that you're trained to take the emotion out of it. I still felt emotion on the battlefield, but like all of us, with anybody who deals with any kind of trauma, whatever trauma is for you, whether it's a 25-year-old on the battlefield or 50-year-old going through divorce, whatever that trauma is, you learn to compartmentalize it. And so you deal with it the best that you know how. Seeing so much death. And it's being so matter of fact. I have a very matter of fact view of it all. The body just stops working, but there's still emotion tied to it. And the emotion tied to it is in, it's in the loss because the family still lose somebody and there is a finality to it. And he was one of my good friends or he was my brother. So there's an emotion to it, but you learn to put that emotion away. And then this happens. Oh, and then you put that emotion away for that. And then you lose a guy in a training accident and you put that emotion away. And you're standing there at the ceremony and they're firing the 21-gun salute and you're standing there at attention and you're doing your best to put that emotion away. What ends up happening, Noel, is we harden our hearts without even knowing it. And it becomes very difficult to become vulnerable and intimate which a relationship with a woman requires. It's what they're made of, vulnerability and intimacy. 
They do it way better than we do, but they also expect it from us. And I did not have it to give because I didn't know how to do it. Hmm. You have to learn to open your heart and allow it. And dude, I'm going to tell you, when I tell you it's hard work, just insert painful in there. (laughs) (laughs) But you give me one success story that didn't require a lot of no pain, no gain. It requires effort. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true. I mean, and even with the stuff at Stronger Families, oh, we'll just go to that retreat and it's going to solve all of our problems. And I'm here to tell you, our retreats are amazing. They are rocking. We've seen marriages saved. But the hard work that we're talking about is this idea of it's not going to be fixed overnight. It's not going to be fixed over a weekend. I think you you said it best. When I needed to be intimate, when I needed to have that emotion, that ability to empathize and do all those things that are required in a relationship, I was a year too late. So for you, what did that journey look like knowing that, hey, you know what? This is coming to an end. There's a transition here. And having to deal with that reality, what did the hard work look like for you? Mm. If I was to tell the story of the change, it's still happening, but there's the beginning, which is the realization that it's ending and the acceptance that it's ending and then letting that go. I just did what I knew how to do, which was I went off grid and I buckled down and I spent a lot of time when I was back, I went to counseling on my own. Hmm. and focused on what, why was I so hard? Why was I afraid to let somebody love me? Afraid was really what I had to kind of come to grips with because I didn't want to, I didn't know how to do it. Didn't have a model, a role model for it. And I was afraid I would fail people. And so I just went through relationship after relationship just as a loyal, committed, but never really being in love or passionate. I was committed to the relationship, but not so much the other person. Just insert blonde here. (laughs) And Kenny would be a great partner. And I had to learn that. And I did, I went off grid. I went down to Central America. I just did a ton of reading, self-help. And it was across the spectrum from Brene Brown to the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Like I read that one. And the very last one I read, it was just sort of as God would have it. I think I was ready to read it. It was Desmond Tutu's book on the book of forgiveness. Mm. And we've all heard enough stories about forgiveness to know that forgiveness isn't about forgiving the other person. It's about letting it go and forgiving ourselves. And that's what I spent the next month or two working on. And then, man, one day, it just sort of, you're like, huh, I'm amazed that I spent that much energy and wallowing and anger and sadness on this. And I realized that I had healed and it takes work and effort. And it was just like one day I wasn't ready to start a relationship. And then here I am at this speaking event and this girl sits down next to me and goes, hi, I'm Heidi. What region are you in? And I'm like, I'm in Nashville. And she didn't even know I was going to be the speaker. And I go, what region are you in? And she said, Ohio. And then they start the introduction for, they're playing the video for me to get up on the stage. And she goes, do you think the speaker's going to be any good? And I'm like, I hope so. 
See ya. <laughs> I absolutely love that story. That was so good. And that's how we met. But we were both in a place where we had done hard work on ourselves and we were ready to meet. And now when the, the hiccups and the challenges of a relationship and a marriage happen, we know how to handle it because we've learned and have those skill sets. So let's bring that back to why you and I are standing here right now. It's because when you learn it and you realize, oh, man, I got the keys. I, I got the magic. I know how to do it. No one told me. I didn't know how to do it before. And it was so difficult. It, look, I can fly an airplane in inclement weather. It's not that big of a deal. Like when you know how to do something, it's pretty easy. But you want everybody else to know, oh my gosh, we can do this. And it does take work. But if you have the skill set, you will know how to do it. And that's why we're here is to help people. Okay, where are you at? Because we'll meet you there. Because we've all been there. Here are some things that you can do that will help you so that you're not stuck in this dark place that you brought home from a battlefield somewhere and you just never left it. Like you can disguise it all you want. I can be on stage playing songs and singing things and signing autographs. But inside, I've still drugged that with me. I didn't know how to let it go. And more importantly, I was not aware of how it was affecting my relationships. Wow. Yeah. Really, I've taken from your journey is this idea of the hard work, but also this reality of you're moving on, right? I mean, the reality of uh, ending and there's a new season coming, so many people I see in that space, they find themselves almost in a place of, begging or pleading or cajoling, hey, please stay, you know what I mean? And, and it's all the things that just keep pushing the relationship further away in terms of any opportunity for it to heal, to restore. And I'm not saying that that was your case in your failed relationship, but I've seen it with many that they don't do the hard work on themselves. And I think what is amazing about where you're at is that the hard work actually was working on Kenny, right? And so that when you come yeah. to that next relationship, I'm a whole person. I'm bringing everything to that relationship. And I know Heidi and the same for her. So that, cause we all have a certain amount of baggage, whether that's the things that we've seen downrange, the stuff that we've experienced in our childhood, all of us have a degree of what's the baggage that we're bringing in. And how is that competing with being the whole person that I get to offer myself to that individual, which ultimately comes down to what we're talking about. It's how can I be intimate, be emotional, open my heart, the degree that you're going to be able to do that is to the degree that you're a whole person and you've done the hard work. And where I'm at now, because the relationship I have is successful and works and what it should be and it's solid and faith-based is because I had to self-assess our wounds. So first and foremost, get yourself, you get wounded on the battlefield, get yourself out of the line of fire so that you don't get more wounded. Then self-assess. You don't have to wait for someone to come save you. That's why you know your tourniquet's right here and you got to put the tourniquet on yourself, put it on. Then we'll worry about getting you medevaced out of there. It took me a minute to self-assess and stop the bleeding. But once I did, then I started healing. Your spouse will tell you, you are a different person when you come home. 
It doesn't mean that you have to stay that person. You can take the positives and move forward with it, and you can leave the negatives and move forward with it. So just because you've changed doesn't mean that that has to stay with you as a negative stigma. It's part of your package. You gotta get through that, I'm a victim. I've seen too many veterans stay in that dark place. I've changed. Yeah, but you're only powerful is the dark side. You are staying in that, and that's your choice. That's a hard thing to hear, but that is your choice. If you want to move forward, then follow me. I know how to do it because I've been where you've been, and that's why I'm sitting here today. Truth. Man, truth. We should just wrap it up right here because that was beautiful. I've never had anyone describe this journey of healing like you just did in terms of relating it to the battlefield, but it's spot on, right? We're waiting for other people to put the tourniquet on. We're waiting for the bleeding to stop because someone else is going to come along. But oftentimes that's us saying, okay, self-awareness, this isn't going to get better until I do the hard work or I fill in the blank, get into that counseling. And I, I spend the time unpacking the wounds and the trauma and whatever it is. I'm a victim. You know, it's everyone else. I'm a victim. And I've yet to see a marriage, a family restored based on victim mentality. It doesn't happen. You'll forever stay stuck in that place until you have that change of mindset. And words are powerful. Like sometimes I think what we're being told becomes our reality. It's self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Versus, no, I am not that person. Yes, I've gone through hard times. I've gone through difficult seasons, but I'm overcoming this, right? And this is what that looks like. No, one of the great things about the military was you really had to break things down and simplify them. You know, we had you know, that saying, keep it simple, stupid, <laughs> but it's not as complicated as we make it. You're stuck, and to unstick yourself, you have to make a choice to do that. The tools, the skill sets, the experience, it's all there for you. You've got to drive on and take action. But the first step is always forward. Like, mm -hmm. you got to do something. I remember Sergeant Major yelling at us one time. We were on an objective, and we had cleared a building out at night, and everybody's just kind of, there was, no, it was a dry hole. And, but there's still a threat out there, and we're all kind of just pulling security. Not, and he goes, if you're not doing something, do something. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, that's profound. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, I mean, you've done a lot of songwriting and one of those songs I absolutely love that you've put out there is Hold the Line. And I don't know the context in terms of why you wrote that song, but to me, when I hear that song and what it stands for and the side of what I do, it's that idea of, man, I'm going to hold the line and I'm not going to allow myself to fall into that place of victimhood. Yeah, there's a lot of things working against me right now. There's a lot of things that I could blame this on. But at the end of the day, I'm only responsible for me. And I'm going to hold the line and not sink into that place of, well, it's everyone else. It's not me, right? I'm sure you have a very different reason why you wrote that song and produced it. But that's just such a powerful thing to think about. Thanks. I love that it, it found you and it, it hit you. I'll tell you a quick story on that song. There were two other writers our very first hit was a song called Not Me, and it was about people stepping up and doing something they didn't want to have to do in situations that were tough. 
even when they would rather say not me. And that's what basically it was three stories. And all three people were people that each one of us who wrote the song knew. And of course, I brought the military verse to it. And then 10 years later, I'm at a retirement ceremony for one of the pilots who fought in Black Hawk Down. And he's getting out. And he stood up there and I'm listening to him talk zero about himself. And this guy's done everything there is to do in special operations, right? And he goes, I don't know where my life takes me now when I take these boots off and I, I step out of the aircraft and I walk into life. He goes, but wherever it is that I go, I will honor my brothers and sisters who got me to this point. I will hold the line. And then he went on to talk about what hold the line meant to him. And it was to live the Ranger Creed, to live honorably, to live in appreciation of the blessings that he had. I come back home and I called those two writers up and said, hey man, we haven't written in a long time. I got a really great idea for a song. And it went down the exact same way. I told them the story about this guy and what Hold the Line meant to him. And then they all started telling me their story of what Hold the Line meant to them. When the video got made and it started getting out there into the channels, what it became, the timing of it was spot on for all the veterans who were struggling. Hmm. And it became this Hold the Line wasn't so much about lining up on the ramparts and holding back the enemy. It was like upholding yourself to honor the people who got you where you are, whether they are dead or alive. And wow. that's where that song came from. I love it. We're gonna listen to that real quick. I know for some of you, you've heard the song. It's so powerful. Gets choked up when the bugle plays. He remembers the battle like it was just yesterday. He knows he owes his life. To the ones left behind And for their sacrifice He will hold the line Yeah, hold the line Hold the line Kenny Thomas, man, this is, oh, so good, so good. Well, I'm excited about this journey that we're going to take as we get to interview a whole bunch of heroes and hear their story. And that's really the nature of this podcast is about taking the stories, heroic stories, normal stories. We all have a story, right? And generally that story is connected with pain. It's connected with challenge, connected with heartbreak. But on the other side of it is victory, overcoming. And I think that's what we're trying to communicate through this podcast to take the hero, but bring it back to what matters the most. And those breakthroughs Oftentimes, they might be on the battlefield, but more importantly, it's the victory that we see in our marriage, the victory with our kids, the victory of overcoming with our family. And that's the intent of this podcast is to bring guests on, to be able to share that perspective and then encourage others. So if you're one of those heroes and you've got a story, go to strongerfamilies.com slash podcast. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to bring you on the show and allow you to, be able to share that story of how'd you get through to the other side? I love that. Can you imagine if we all were given an opportunity to tell our stories, we would realize that we're more alike than we are differently. You want to heal a nation, do this, right? The stories are the things that unlock the ability for us to 
empathize, to relate to other people's beliefs, their views, their habits, those kind of things. Mm. To me, this is far bigger than just marriage and family. This is about culture at large. But we're going to be focusing on that in this podcast. We really want to bring these stories where it comes back to the home so that you can get the tools that you need and the resources to be able to live that life. So... Kenny, thanks for sharing, man. Appreciate you opening up and this is going to be fun. We got a lot of people and a lot of ground and a lot of stories to cover. It's true. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Again, look forward to bringing episodes on a weekly basis. Tune in, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. See ya.